Romans chapter 8 is one of the most powerful chapters in all of Scripture. Hence, we uh, spent three weeks in it, and this is the third instalment as we work through this chapter in Romans. And it is a real privilege and a delight to be able to preach from it this day. I encourage you to follow it along. You can follow along on your phone or if you've got the old school paper Bible, have a look at it there. And I'm reading from the ESV version. This part of the scripture has at least three verses that for many find are the most sustaining, inspiring and powerful verses that they might know. This part of scripture has sustained believers and Christians for centuries. It has held them and inspired them to great things in the Lord. It ends talking about that nothing will be able to separate us from Christ. The beginning of chapter 8 talks about that there is no condemnation. This brackets this awesome scripture that we encounter today. There's some questions which I'd like you just to kind of have sitting within you throughout this message and to have them kind of allow your thinking to filter their way through. These are the questions. Where can you see that God is for us? What seeks to separate you from God's love in Christ or who seeks to separate you from God's love in Christ? What would you like to conquer and what does victory look like for you? These questions can just sit there as we engage with this incredible text from Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read it from verse 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. I love that. That is where Jesus is. Who indeed is interceding for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beautiful scriptures. Many of you would have heard some of these verses. Some of them might have been mantras for you and you lived by them. They've held you firm. They've allowed you to believe great things, to endure and to grow. Paul opens it up 
when he says, what then shall we say to these things? Well, what's he referring to there? He's talking about what he's been teaching previously. Even if you look at what he's been taught through the first part of chapter 8, you can see as he lists what these things are in 8 verse 1, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Chapter 8 verse 10, that we are given the spirit of life. Chapter 8 verse 15, we've received the spirit of adoption. We're children of God by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We are in deep unity with our Lord. There's an affection for our God. Chapter 8, verse 17, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 18, we have an understanding that our suffering of this present age is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We get this context. Chapter 8, verse 26, we're given help by the Spirit in our weakness who intercedes for us with a groaning too deep for words. Chapter 8, 29, we are foreknown by God and so destined to be conformed to the image of his Son. We've been chosen, elected before the beginning of time. And we are given the strength through Jesus to be formed into the very Son of God, shaped into his likeness. These are the things that Paul writes about when he says, what then shall we say to these things? And he goes on, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. God is for you. Hey, can you see where God is for you? Can you see him at work? Do you know it in your spirit? Do you have this sense that God is so for me that it piles everything else which might be feeling that it's pushing against us? God is for you. God is for us. I love this invitation that Paul gives to us to know that God is moving us forward in him. You know, it's interesting that Every now and then I get the opportunity to write a reference for someone or they put me down as a referee. Generally it comes as a phone call and they say, oh, Kynan, I'm just applying for a new job. Do you mind if I put your name down? I'm going, that's fine. I'll put, they can give me a call. And really what they're saying is we want to put your name down because why? You're going to say something good about us. You know me. You're for us. You're for me. And I say, well, listen, this is what I will do. Find out a little bit about what job they might be applying for. I want to find out a little bit about their strengths. I said, is there anything that I should know? Because that might help if I get the phone call. And I say, what I will be doing is I'll be honest. I am so for you that I'll be honest because you want to know that the right picture has been painted And so I get a phone call and they ask the questions. And I often say, listen, I'm really for them. This is where I see their strengths lie. This is maybe some things that, you know, you need to be aware of that they could work on, but this is the package that you get. And it's not just sugar-coated, right? It's just all good. I say, no, I'm going to be honest. 
This is so for you that God is, that he'll be honest with you. He's so honest because he's so for you. He says, yes, I love you, yes. And I have all the riches of heaven for you, all the spiritual resources you need, but I'm going to be honest. And that's when we read the scriptures and we go, oh, wow, God is shaping me here. Well, God is moving me forward there because he is so for you. He is honest with you. Paul, as he writes these words to the church in Rome, is saying, God is for you. Keep heading in the right direction because you have the great power of God leading you, taking you forward, shaping you more into his image. We must hold on to this deep sense that God is for us. And there, I think there are times when we're actually even more aware of it because we're so aligned with his purposes. When we have a deep sense that we are being shaped to become more like his son. We have a sense that God is for us when we're seeing provision for the mission, when we're given that strength to live out our faith, and then we see a confidence in the future. God is for you. God is for us his people. This work of God's people coming together as the church has stood the test of time and has a glorious future under God. God is for us. Who can be against us? We look round for verse 35 because here Paul starts to unpack how great the love of Christ is. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I think what Paul is doing is getting his finger on some of the greatest fears that we might have. And one of the great fears that we have is that we might be alone. That we might just be out, isolated, disconnected, unable to know where it is that we fit. We fear this sense. And so Paul says, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. But you say, but you wouldn't know what's going on in my life. Or you wouldn't know what it is that I'm enduring. And Paul says, hey, I do know. Because listen, shall it be your tribulation, your troubles? Shall it be your distress, the stress that you have? Or persecution for what you stand for? or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Should it be that? Uh Uh-uh. No, nothing will separate you from this great love in Jesus Christ. He is saying you are not alone. And whatever might come your way, Christ is with you, and Christ is for you. Oh, we think, oh, I'm getting separated from Christ. This is happening. Oh, this is taking me away. And in this scripture, Paul says, that will not take you away. That should bring you closer. This is where it takes you. Whatever it is that you might be enduring, this draws you closer because nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, the early church, they experienced each of these. Paul experienced each of them except the sword. But what we see is this journey of Paul saying to God's people, don't take that which is difficult. And let it have your sense that you're removed from God. But take that which is difficult and appropriate in some way that you come out stronger because you've realised the faithfulness of God, 
the love of God which has held you, and the perspective which comes from the Almighty One. He's saying, listen, these things you think are going to break you, they're going to make you stronger. You're going to grow in your resilience. You're going to grow in your grit. He says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He's referring there to Psalm 44, verse 22. And basically he's saying, hey, that's always going to be our lot for generations, right back to God's people. There's going to be stuff which comes. But do not let that take you out. So verse 37, he says, no. You grow in such a way that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. A conqueror just comes in and kind of takes what they want, but a more than conqueror gets into that place and then grows further and makes it better through him who loved us. I just think about how Paul is trying to say to the people of God, grow in your grit, grow in your resilience. Whatever you cop, cop it, grow through it and become more than it. This is the great vision that he has for his people. It's interesting that in popular psychology at the moment, there's this quite a kind of a, a theme about how people can grow in grit and resilience. Psychologist Angela Duckworth determines grit as passion and perseverance for long-term and meaningful goals, persisting when things are tough, knowing that that builds resilience. Paul is saying, listen, we have a strong God which should strengthen you. We have a God who doesn't want us to be pushed over, but people who stand up in the midst of whatever might come our way and grow through it and become more than conquerors. And he says, listen, this will take its time. Just don't walk away too early. Allow things to process and to grow through them. I know that my pastor in Santa Barbara many, many years ago, when I said I'm feeling a, an early call to ministry, he said these famous words to me, and they're famous to me anyway, in the 90s. He said, Kynan, start small and do nothing less than three years. So I disregarded his advice, tried to go big and hard, and yet what he was saying was take time for the formation to occur. Stick at it. Let God bring the increase. Let God bring the growth in you and the ministry that you're calling yourself to. And stick at it. And I think about this ministry as shield of the children. I think this sense that you're going to be more than conquerors in this. And may that be God's word for you and what it's going to take to have some grit and resilience in it. May God bless this ministry, brother the long-term future of it. Paul calls us to be a people of grit, to be full of courage, to go with light into the dark places and to bring hope into despair. Now, friends, if you step out in courage, you're going to get a few knocks. How you grow through them and keep going forward with a fresh heart and an optimistic approach and hope in the future will define some of the victory that you have in our Lord. Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt in 1907, 
talked about the one who keeps on standing up. He said this, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strived valiantly, who errs, who comes again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails with daring greatly. It's about getting up and going again. It's about saying, it's not done. Resilience to face the future. Where is it that you need to be an overcomer? What is it that you think, hey, this is taking me out, but I'm going to be more than a conqueror in this area of my life. I'm not going to let it take me out. I'm going to let it shape me and form me. I'm going to be a person of grit and resilience. And the Lord is ever going to use me because the way in which he has shaped and formed me. Where is it that you need to be more than a conqueror? And of course, Paul wraps it up again in this incredible language of love. You can hear the passion, the conviction, the surety in his very depths of his soul. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things which are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Don't you love how he just wraps that all up? Nothing's going to be able to escape this. In all creation, we'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the basis by which you find your resilience. Christ's love is constant, eternal, keeps coming to us, and it will never, we'll never be separated from him. We draw deep into this powerful love that has been given to us in Christ. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And my prayer is that the church, that God breathed into existence, would rise up and go into the dark places with courage, and God's people would be the first responders to the need that they encounter, and that each of us would grow in such a way that when we stand before our Lord, he'll be saying, you were courageous. I can see what you did, and I'm going to celebrate a good and faithful servant. You're more than a conqueror through Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you showed us the way, the way to the kingdom, the way to deal with the tribulations and the trials and the distress which come our way and you showed us a way how to be more than a conqueror and raise up to new life. 
this morning, our God. Speak to us. Fill us with a new courage and a fresh hope. Sustain us for the days ahead. Call us beyond that which is comfortable into the places that you are preparing beforehand for us to go into. Lord, we can do this because we are convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Inspire us, our God, to be formed more into your image and to step out obediently in mission. And we thank you for the words of Scripture which call us beyond ourselves and into this world that you love so much. As we surrender ourselves, as you form us, we pray that you would equip us for this service. And in all these things, we will always give you glory and honour. We'll acknowledge your work. We will boast in you and not in ourselves. And we'll stand on the promises that you are at work in our world and we align ourselves with what you are doing. We thank you, our God. We thank you that we are not